and welcome to Blake the Universe. It's the survival show that helps you get through everyday life. I'm Sam Winkerton. I'm pouring a beer. And with me is my good friend and co-author, Paul Foster. Good morning, Sam. Oh, that looks right tasty. Oh, lovely yeah. glass as well. What you got? Um, I, I uh, commissioned it from somewhere. It's really? A, uh, yeah, I was uh, given it in inverted commas. Oh, oh I see. <laughs> <laughs> I asked and they said yes. Oh. oh in a manner of good. speaking. Yeah. Was it, would you steal that for me? Yes. It's all right, your secret um, is safe with us. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Nobody listens to this. <laughs> uh, no, here we have um, a Lincolnshire orange barley beer by Bateman's. Um, I have no idea if it's going to be any good. Go on, give it a sip. Right. If you mixed Fanta and beer, that's what you get. It's actually surprisingly not bad. Oh, okay. That wasn't, that wasn't selling it for me, but... It's... I mean, orange barley beer. You've got three tastes in there, and they are orange barley and beer. Like, <laughs> I, I can't have you done really an episode on this or something? <laughs> You seem pretty clued up. I know my stuff, right? <laughs> I, I went on a course and they taught me things. Nice, nice. Mm. Well, it's good to be back. We had a bit of a break over Christmas and, and whatnot. Mm. It was a bit, uh, I think it was a bit uh, optimistic, wasn't it? Starting <laughs> starting just a couple of yeah. weeks before Christmas. Christmas, then New Year, then yeah. my portfolio, and then the beginning of my thesis. All wrapped up. Um, We'll see how badly um, doing a thesis has impacted upon my research. <laughs> it can only go well. <laughs> I look forward to finding out imminently. So what's our topic this week? Uh, so this week, uh, topic is the Aurora Borealis. Oh, that's exciting. The Northern Lights. Yeah. Thank you to friend of the podcast, Zara Stockton, for that one. Oh, very nice. Thank you, Zara. And... Yeah, so Aurora Borealis, not Australis. Actually, I don't know. Did we go for the Northern Lights or did we? We did go for the Northern Lights, but I kind of, I, well, in my notes, I'd never heard of the Southern Lights. I didn't know it existed. Yeah, I. So I included that. <laughs> but there's not much to know that isn't the same. It's like a mirror image. Yeah, yeah, pretty much. In my research, it kept saying, uh, "Oh, they're slightly different," but they never actually explain why. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so that was good. <laughs> They've got a different name. <laughs> right, we're out, the, um, we're out of the habit bit. Should we just get cracking straight away? Yeah. And then we can do all the so. admin stuff at the end. Yeah, just before we begin, the name of the game is we're picking a topic that we know nothing about. We uh, go away, research it. We come together with no notes and we can just uh, let forth this deluge of information <laughs> and see what of it sticks. We were accused of misinformation uh, recently. Were we? Uh, were we not? You By who? Did I? Um, a certain Pacific Islander. Oh, yeah, yeah. Oh, yeah, I'd forgotten about that. Yeah, it's worth mentioning. Um, on Twitter, we were contacted by one of the uh, Christian family, weren't we? Um, we mentioned Fletcher Christian, who was well, like one of the first guys on the island. And, um, yeah, one the, of his... In the Pitcairn Islands episode, that is. Yes, and um, one of his, well, like, great, great, great progeny um, 
<laughs> contacted us on Twitter. She said she didn't listen very far because it was extremely misinformed and she couldn't stop rolling her eyes. And I just replied and said, yeah, that's kind of, that's kind of what we do. <laughs> yeah, I, I would argue that it wasn't actually that misinformed in, in its, um, I, I think we made a good representation of facts. Yeah, you know, I'd, I'd like to think so. The details, it was perhaps slightly, but you know, the gist, I think we gave a good account of the place. Well, I mean, we did offer to give her a uh, platform. We said that, you know, we'd do a special, like, interview with an expert episode. But, yeah, she wasn't interested, which is fair enough. She's quite busy. I think she's an author and she's got an agent and stuff like that. I thought, oh, well, okay, that's fair enough. That she doesn't want to mess with us small fry. Oh, exactly, yeah. So, yeah. <laughs> but if you are an expert on the Auroras or anything else, any of the other topics, do get in touch because we would love to have some actual... Uh, we'd love to do like a little bonus episode where we talk to someone who actually yeah, knows yeah. what they're talking about. <laughs> we, we never quite got Roisin to uh, tell us about lasers. No, we didn't. We didn't. But we will have to have her on as a guest at some point about something she knows nothing on. Can I um, apologise for my cat? Go away. Please, go away. I'll give you a fiver. <laughs> Um, right, okay. <laughs> I do apologise. If if we hear her, I'll try and filter out those particular frequencies. She Just that's co- her happy sound. Believe it or not, that is her happy sound. <laughs> we thought she hated us for about six months, and then <laughs> and then we worked out that actually she loves us, but she's just not got a very nice way of showing it. <laughs> it runs in the family pool. Oh, thanks, thanks. <laughs> Fair enough. Well, in that case, I forgive her. I forgive you, cat. For being a thorn in our side. Um, right, do you want to kick off or... Would it... Well, yeah, let's let's go. Aurora Borealis, Northern Lights. Uh-huh. Um, where does one start? Uh, shall we start with how they occur or what are they or... Uh, yeah, I guess, I guess most people know what it is, but yeah, maybe yeah. do a bit on what they if, are. If you haven't heard of the Aurora Borealis, just type them into Google Images. Um type it in northern lights and you'll see some pretty stunning photos you know mm. all sorts of lights fill in the sky um in sort of cold winter nights with clear skies um actually uh, i'll come to it later but um a, f- a friend of mine ryan simpson another friend of the podcast um he <laughs> hello ryan i'm obliged to say he, hello to all of our yeah, <laughs> yeah. podcast as you mentioned them <laughs> um but he's um he's a fledgling but very promising photographer and he's been uh, chasing aurora borealis around the north coast of northern ireland and oh wow um so if you go and have a look at either his photos or alistair hamill's photos you know, uh-huh. really spectacular stuff of northern ireland you know they come that far south well um remind us and we'll stick it in the show notes mm, um, so you should be able to click a link and that'll take um, to them but as for so lights in the sky up in the northern hem, like around the polar regions, but where do they come from? Um, a lot of over the centuries, uh, tribes have thought, well, maybe it's the souls of departed dancing in the sky, maybe it's um, you know, uh, a fox kicking up um, snow into the sky, and it's you know, foxtail fires. But it turns out it's actually a bit more prosaic, but actually also mar- more marvellous than that. Mm. Marvelous. <laughs> it is both um, of those things. <laughs> um, so, what it is is 
it's solar wind. And what happens is, so if we take take the sun, in case people don't know, um, the way that the sun generates its heat and its energy is through nuclear fusion. It's going to get very technical, <laughs> only for the next five seconds. And nuclear fusion is where you have, in this case, four hydrogen atoms that are under intense heat and pressure fused together and um, the result of that is helium and energy. And that energy you know, heats up the sun, um, there are, it sort of all turns up because of the, the heating and cooling that's going on there at the surface. And at points, these things are called solar flares or coronal, uh, coronal mass ejections, nice. <laughs> which is brilliant. <laughs> so Sounds painful. Mass, yeah, exactly. <laughs> It's, it's when one of those Vindaloo's come back. <laughs> oh, nice! <laughs> really does, really does repeat. Anyway, uh, <laughs> um, so one of these solar flares happens, um, and the plasma on the surface of the sun escapes from the magnetic fields, sort of, and sometimes it tears away because it's like so big. And then the then what you have is like a solar cloud that sort of floats through the air. When I say floats through the air, it goes like like 6 billion miles per hour. I think like it was that. a million miles per hour. <laughs> I, Close. I'm pretty sure it was six. Okay, maybe he had a dodgy accent. Maybe I misunderstood it. <laughs> um, and it flies through the universe and hits, the, uh, hits Earth. Now, Earth has a magnetic field which um, protects us from harmful radiation. Um, and thankfully, this radiation from the sun isn't harmful. But what happens is it kind of bends round um, our magnetic fields and gets sort of some sort of weird. The diagrams always show the magnetic fields sort of snapping, but basically, it just meant that all these charged particles from the solar cloud fly into the poles. Yeah, basically, that's where the uh, apparently the Earth's got an, a magnetosphere. It was the word. Um, I, oh, sorry. Before I take over. Two uh, points there because hmm. some of that sun information was great. Um, yeah, so basically we've got a magnetosphere, which is part of the atmosphere, and what happens is that's weakest at the poles. So those diagrams you saw isn't so much the field breaking, but it's basically like the particles get repelled. Yes. But then there are little bits where they can come in. So there has to be quite a lot of activity on the sun apparently um, to produce enough particles for the auroras to happen, because otherwise it would be happening. All the time, because the, the yeah. sun is constantly sending out these particles everywhere in all directions. Um, so yeah, so most of it is repelled. So the auroras aren't happening every night. Um, but yeah, sorry, gone. I was and yeah, cheers. Um, and then what happens is, as it um, so as these um, highly charged particles from the solar wind come into the atmosphere, they um, hit um, gas particles. Sorry, I'm such a child. Every time someone says solar wind, and every time I read it, I just chuckled. I'm such solar a child. storm. That's it. Solar yeah, storm. thank you. Uh, as the solar storm comes in, um, these charged particles hit particles in the atmosphere, and um, as it sort of as they bounce off the gases in the atmosphere, the gas becomes charged, and what happens in the uh, particles will the electrons will gain energy and then lose it again. And as it loses it, it loses it by emitting photons. 
And so each different particle, so nitrogen will release a certain colour, photon, and oxygen will release another, and so on. Which it, well, it comes on the. Yes, it's those two. <laughs> but um, yeah, when we're talking about photons and stuff, you'll remember them from lasers and X rays. Previous, right, yeah. previous episodes, um, which we are working on a way actually to get all the back catalogue so that you can go through the list. Because at the moment, I think we've we've started it again from season three, but we're going to try and find a way that we can get all of them so you can go back and listen to some past um, past episodes. Um, I read from NASA. Because um, I had it exactly as you've put, but NASA was saying that it actually isn't the um, particles hitting the gas particles. What happens is they charge up the magnetosphere. Um, it's like an electrical current and a magnetic current, and these both interact. And apparently it gets to like 2 million amps um, and 50,000 wow. <laughs> volts like in the, in the atmosphere at those sorts of altitudes, which I think are about 150 miles high I think it's between about 60 and 150 miles um, altitude and yeah what happens is eventually that builds up and then then it's like released as energy and that's when all the gas particles start firing apparently okay so So that's so it's uh, okay that makes a a lot of sense because what happens is is it's very uh, similar to what happens in um, neon lights so Uh that's where you get the tube filled with argon or neon um, you have an anode and a diode. At each cathode? Set, sorry, a cathode and an anode. <laughs> Forgiven. <laughs> um, and you send an electrical current through it, and the electrical current charges up the particles within the gas, and then they will emit their own light. So it's, exactly it's all a knock on effect, isn't it? Um, so, that was, uh, so that's very good. Um, Sorry, where are we going next? <laughs> <laughs> well, okay. So we've done the we've done the how, but actually, did you know it's relatively recently that we know how it works? Yeah. It was it was only confirmed in the 1950s, as late as that, which I found remarkable. But I believe NASA launched a satellite or a probe. I can never remember what the difference is. Um, in in about 1957, uh, and it was it was called the Polar, I think, or something. It had some had some name like that. Um, and it was only due to the fact all the discoveries that were being made about electromagnetic waves and stuff like that. So what helped us do quantum physics and the theory of relativity and uh, other things which I've now forgotten. <laughs> but um, but yeah, so it's a relatively recent thing that we've like finally pieced it together. Um, but the first guy who... Um, sorry, I'm jumping all around the timeline now. But the first guy who got it right was Edward Halley of Halley's Comet. Yeah. And that was in that. 1716, I believe. He predicted... I, I, I don't think he had any way of knowing um, officially, yeah. but yeah, he predicted that it was because of matter, magnetic interactions in the atmosphere. What and you, he was spot yeah. on. Of what you had... Uh, quickly, a couple of points for that stuff... Um, for a long time, up until eighteen six, up until the eighteen sixties, um, a lot of people, ever since Galileo, thought that it was to do with um, sunlight hitting the atmosphere and something happening. And so, um, but it was actually in eighteen sixty when a fellow called Anström from Sweden basically showed that it couldn't be because the light from the aurora borealis was of a different um, wavelength. See, I guess. 
Uh, yeah, one of the two. Yeah. <laughs> um, to the to the sun by you know using one of those prisms that you see on Pink Floyd cover out. Yeah, spectroscopy. Um, they said that that was uh, I think it was 1866. He he worked that out that yeah. it was gases and proved that, um, which is quite cool. Um, yeah, who who else got involved? Uh, apparently, even you know you were saying about like the Greek. Uh, and sorry, you were saying Galileo. Um, that went back right back to Greek times. So Aristotle and Hippocrates thought that because of the elements, they thought there was like that the sun heated the gas. So again, it's interesting that they already kind of got the link with the sun. Um, but they thought that the, the sun made steam from the ground. And then that went up and ignited the fire element in the sky. And that's what caused it, which was quite cool. Wow, well, I didn't realize um, that. So that was about um, 600 BC, yeah. I believe. Um, the other thing to say about Galileo is that he was the one who termed Aurora Borealis because um, what happened is, um, well, I'm going to need to quickly segue to explain <laughs> the point. So we were talking about um, various gases, so nitrogen and oxygen emitting different colours, mm-hmm. lights. Do you know the colours? So, yeah. So yeah, go on. Nitrogen, nitrogen is blue. Uh-huh. Um, two nitrogen particles bound together is purple. Um, oxygen at 100 kilometres um, above ground is green, and over 240 kilometres is red. Nicely done. That was actually um, more accurate than, <laughs> than I was going to be, so it's just as well you took over there. <laughs> nice. Thank you. Um, I've been told. <laughs> uh, well, because you didn't mention it, it doesn't sound like you've been told, so it's fine. <laughs> just edit, edit that down. Yeah, I will do. Yeah, thanks, thanks, thanks. <laughs> Edit out the ore. But yeah, so um, Galileo, you know, in northern Italy, he he, he sees the aurora borealis and it's really rare for it to go that far south. It has to be really Mm. strong. Um, You know, tonight it's only going to be the north of Iceland that's going to get it. I check forecast. Wow. Um, Are Are they that regular then? Uh, well, what you can do is you can go on the internet and um, just check the Aurora Borealis um, forecast. I thought they were quite infrequent. Say, uh, I don't know. Yeah, fair <laughs> enough. I, didn't, I haven't checked it regularly enough to check. Yeah. Um, I just found I it funny because all the websites were like, hey, get excited because the next time you'll be able to see them is 2012. <laughs> I was like, damn it. <laughs> Three no, years well, like, too late. <laughs> it's like a northern irish one saying that then yeah it doesn't often always come like to the north coast um but in places like northern norway greenland i think as far as i know it's relatively regular but Mm. that's you know that's not point worth and that's a hunch yeah anyway i'm not buying it (laughs) yeah (laughs) i saw your facial expression (laughs) yeah (laughs) um to complete this circular segue, um, <laughs> yeah, so for it to come as low as Italy um, is quite a rare event. And when it does come that low, um, it's invariably red. And so Galileo saw it and um, called it the the red the red fire of dawn or something like that. Right, yeah, yeah. Or the red lights of dawn and named it after the goddess, um, goddess of dawn and morning in Roman mythology, who is Aurora. Yep. And Borealis means north. Yep. Um, Sorry, I didn't know that. That was a last minute fact for me, like right at the end of my research, just as I was about to give up. I was like, oh, that's interesting. 
So yeah, so yeah. you just missed out. On, <laughs> just missed out on the point there. <laughs> um, and Australis mean southern, you know, aurora borealis. Yes. Have we mentioned that? Did we mention that at the beginning? We have. Was I dreaming? Oh, it doesn't matter. Uh, we, yeah. we There's one and it's the same. There's a south one and it's the same. There's an incredible um, series of pictures. I believe it's due to this NASA um, satellite. Um, but there's some incredible pictures that the, the aurora are vi- visible from space, which is great. And there was one incredible picture that was um, really? like the two auroral rings around both poles. And it's an absolutely mm. stunning picture. Unreal. Yeah, no, it's incredible. Well, good, good find. I found nothing like that. You'll oh. have to put that in the show notes. Yeah, I'll see if I can find it. That's going to be unreal. Um, I... Yeah, sorry, go on. No, no, no. Okay. It like you had something to say. Yeah, I, I found some interesting references through history. Um, the earliest reference to the um, aurora that they think they found is in caves in France, southern France, from 30,000 years ago. They reckon there's there's these like it looks like um you know when kids are like drawing in the sand like with a rake yeah kind of yeah yeah it's incredible and they they reckon I mean obviously people much cleverer than us um, who look at these sorts of things every day you say that that apparently is is them trying to interpret the aurora which is quite exciting um, but then the first written reference to it isn't until two and a half thousand years BC in China. Um, yeah. And that's when it starts getting linked, even even from that... Well, I, I guess it makes sense, actually. But I was surprised how long the superstition lasted. Um, but yeah, that was, it was a superstitious reference because it was saying that <clears throat> shortly after the aurora happened, then uh, I think it was one of their queens or something gave birth. Um, oh, right, okay. So they believed that like the pregnancy was linked to that. Um, and there were a few like that, like... Um, 360 BC. Did you hear about King Philip of Macedonia? Um, this sounds like a point. <laughs> well, basically, he wanted to... Uh, See if it's any good. <laughs> they wanted to attack the city Byzantium. I have no idea where that even is. Constantinople. Ah! There you go. Um, or Istanbul, because it's... Yeah, I'm not giving you another one for that. Um, oh, go on. <laughs> <laughs> but basically, they dug tunnels under... Um, under the city and then they were going to pop up in the middle of the night like under cover of darkness and what happened is there was an aurora borealis uh, so it illuminated everything and yeah and it put them off so then the city of Byzantium was saved and they even minted a special coin that had like a um, these days apparently it's still on flags um, and it sometimes looks like a crescent moon but they think because of the orientation of it it, it's probably an aurora um, which is quite exciting Ah. So something to look out for then uh, when the Olympics next happens. Um, just look at all the flags. Yeah, that's it. Yeah, just see if you can see some auroras. If you think that's not that's what the moon looks like, it probably isn't. Yeah, if the moon's upside down. <laughs> oh, yeah. But then there were other ones. Sorry, I'm just, while these are in my mind, 44 BC, um, there was an aurora happened uh, shortly before Julius Caesar died. Um, and then in 1777, there was an aurora after Thomas Beckett died. Um, and again, there's sort of been these superstition... That's pretty cool. ...links. Uh, superstitious what, what links. Two? What's that? Uh, I'll give you a point each for that. Oh, oh, oh bless you. Um, <laughs> uh, if, yeah, as we, you know, I was saying that it's quite rare for the aurora borealis to go so low mm. um, in latitude. You know, that's why when... You know, Pliny wrote about it, you know, and 
Greeks wrote about it, Tacitus wrote about it. Um, when it did go that low, like to the Mediterranean, it was like once every, you know, once every decade or so. Mm. And so they properly freak out because, <laughs> you know, if you live in northern northern Norway and you see it every winter, then you think, well, it's they, they sort of build it into their worldview. And they're like, so people die every year, especially in winter. There's the Aurora Borealis. It's an easy link. Mm. But when, when you don't get it for 10 years and then suddenly the sky goes red, <laughs> then you are going to freak out. Um, one interesting reference I came, or one conjectural reference I found was um, that uh, in the book of Ezekiel, in the Old Testament, it, it begins, you know, in chapter 1, verse 4, it talks about how there's like uh, fire in the sky and, and that it's glowing red. And I thought, and they're saying, well, it must be Aurora Borealis, but Ezekiel, that would be, that would be really low down, like the Middle East. Yeah, yeah. It's quite incredible. Um, yeah, that was 593 BC, I believe, um, to be precise there. So that was no, don't, no, don't, don't, go, no, don't. Come on, because it's it's the same, it's the same point as proof. So I just keep dredging that. Well, particular, I was gonna say I keep flogging that particular horse corpse. I don't know though, because like if you had managed to pinpointing when Ezekiel was written, it's pretty impressive. Yeah, no, that's it. Well, because it was backed up by um, it was one of those things. I checked it um. Because obviously, both of us, are, I think we've mentioned before that we're sort of quite interested in in the Bible and that. Uh, so that was that was the one thing I thought. Oh, I wonder if that lines up. And yeah, sure enough, there's accounts of it um, in Greek um, writings. And then yeah, and then the like the date that the stuff in Ezekiel was meant to happen, it lines up perfectly. It's great. Ooh. I am going to give you a point for that. I found that very interesting. Oh, thanks, mate. That's why you're, you're my favourite. Right, <laughs> Um. Uh, yeah. Anyway, uh, <laughs> um, but as for um, belief systems for more northern European and American peoples, there are some really interesting ones. Um, I was reading a really nice one about the Algonquin Indians. Who isn't he in um, um, Star Wars Episode One? <laughs> It's a Qui-Gon Jinn. Yeah. Oh, oh, of course, yeah, silly me. See, you're too old to remember that. <laughs> um, now, what they, you know, a lot of um, tribes like the, the Laps in Lapland, and they would believe that it's the souls of the dead or so on. Um, but what the Algonquin people um, thought was that their creator god, whose name is complicated and I can't remember, um, basically, after creating the world and everything in it, moved north. Right. <laughs> uh, went on holiday, <laughs> but um, lives um, lives like right in the north and set lights fires each night uh-huh. and lets the smoke sort of and fire sort of billow down the earth. Oh. And it reminds them of his lasting love for them. Oh. I thought that was really sweet. Oh, that is that is quite nice. I like that. I didn't get any of that. Thank you. Uh, and we'll contrast that with the um, the, the Labrador uh, Eskimos, who believed that it was torches lit by. Sorry, um, was that Labrador Eskimos or Eskimo Labradors? Just to, just to clarify. <laughs> Labrador Eskimos. Oh, oh, that's a shame. An amazing, <laughs> amazing <laughs> mental pitch. 
If only. I wish it could be true. <laughs> There's paw prints. Um, <laughs> yeah. In the sand in the shape of auroras. <laughs> Sorry. That's quite all right. Yeah. I think I think yours is better than what I was about to say. <laughs> no, go on. Go on, do carry on. It was uh, that they believed that the, the 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 deceased played football in the sky with um, with a walrus skull, right. and the, the aurora borealis was from um, torches that they set up, I guess, to light their footballing activity. Nice. Which or the goals? Me, they could be the goals. You never know. It could be the goals. <laughs> um, which reminds me of a brilliant. I didn't find out who did it. There's this brilliant um, painting, or drawing from 1570, of um, like a medieval interpretation, well, it'd be the early Renaissance interpretation mm-hmm. of how the Aurora Borealis occurred. And you had like a city at the bottom, and you had a layer of clouds, and on top of the clouds you had candles. Right. Oh, yeah, I did <laughs> see that picture. Yeah, we'll have to, uh, maybe you can we'll rip that one that. off, because that'll be out of copyright now, because it's about a million years old. Um, you could maybe use that as our logo for the uh, for the episode. I, was, I really, if copyright... Or make your own issue, version of it. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I'll just draw it. <laughs> yeah. Uh, if copyright wasn't an issue, I'd probably do a spin on um, that Simpsons episode where the Aurora Borealis is in Principal Skinner's kitchen. <laughs> Can you remember it? It's, it's <laughs> excellent. We'll, we'll post a link to it. Yeah, I'm sure that'll be on YouTube somewhere. <laughs> I, I found it, showed Ian earlier. Oh, nice. <laughs> and even he laughed... <laughs> I don't think you can hear that. <laughs> yeah, you're you're filming today in front of a live audience, aren't you? <laughs> he left. He got bored. Oh, all right. <laughs> he yes. took his tea elsewhere. See you later, Ian. Whatever. Um, one thing I found interesting: they have auroras on other planets. So if there are aliens, yeah. um, they will see that any anything sense. that's got an atmosphere. Any planet that's got an atmosphere um, will have, yeah, auroras. I thought that was. Quite interesting. A bit more interesting than you <laughs> than you looked. Sorry. <laughs> there you are. Yeah, whatever. <laughs> but, um, <laughs> but it made sense. Yeah, okay. All right. Yeah, fine. What, what you forget is that I know lots of things about <laughs> other planets. <laughs> and so this comes as no surprise to me. Oh, see, I only know about one planet, which is the one we did back in our second <laughs> episode. Neptune. Yeah, good old Neptune. Hi, Emma, if you're still listening. Hi, Emma. Friend of the show. Sorry for not inviting you. <laughs> Friend of the show. <laughs> I keep meaning to invite her back, and then I don't know. I forget everything. I can't remember what I did yesterday. Let's be honest. You are a terrible friend. Sorry. Yeah. I, I'm sorry, Emma, on on Sam's behalf. Yeah, and I'm sorry, Emma, as well. <laughs> sorry that you've had to part with it. Um, I think I'm out of facts about the auroras. Did you have anything else? Right, so in lieu of any other facts, um, the, the world's mo- northernmost uh, permanent rocket launching station mm-hmm. is in uh, North Norway, up there, Scandinavia. Northern Scandinavia. Right, in uh, northern uh, North place... Norway. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> Northway. <laughs> um, at a place called Andoya. And this is uh, one of those places where NASA sends a load of rockets from. And it basically, you have these rockets that are like between 10 and 20 metres long. And they have 
anywhere between 100 and 500 kilograms of um, in, like recording instruments on them, and they fire them like a, a mile into the sky through the aurora borealis, and it like I don't know, scoops some of it up. Right, probably just like takes readings. It'd be better if it just had a big old arm at the front and a spoon. They just collect it, then they take it back to their base and they just throw it around like pixie dust. (laughs) (laughs) They have to like put it in a bag and then tie the bag down in case it floats off. I wonder what it tastes like. Do you reckon they can like spread it in their sandwich? (laughs) Oh, I have remembered something. Yes. Something. Have you heard of the sounds that they make? They don't make any sounds. You You might very well think so. Go on then. Um, <laughs> I read it so, debunked in lots of places. It's it's unsubstantiated. It's like very difficult to prove in inverted commas. Uh-huh. But if you if you look um, through um, history, it, aurora borealis is always linked with dancing and is always linked with um, uh, with noises that like people out in the out in the wilderness hearing something like one of the peoples I think it's yeah it's the lap people right um, believe that if you whistled it would come closer oh right <laughs> and like if it came close enough it would whisk you away oh nice um, but basically there are there's these uh, this idea that um, there is a clapping sound um, that Aurora Borealis makes 70 metres above the ground right and there's various tests that have been done where they've sort of put three... 70 metres? 70, yeah. So it's not even that high. Right. Um, so like, so the the other side of this is that it, the same sounds have been heard when there's only strong magnetic um, forces going on and no aurora borealis. So right. maybe it's just something magnetic, but well, I thought it was worth mentioning anyway. Yeah, Okay. As it's unsubstantiated, I'm not going to give you the point, I'm afraid, for that. Because what I read is that um, they should be really hot and really loud, but because of where they occur, um, how far up they occur, it's freezing up there because the air is not dense enough, and that's why there's no sound as well, because the molecules are too far apart to um, bang into each other. Um, I'm very reluctantly give you a point. <laughs> <laughs> oh, and on the subject, it turns out I do have more facts. On the subject of temperature, um, there was a Swedish guy called Celsius. Three guesses what he uh, came up with. Um, he uh, ripped he off his student's work. System? Did you hear about this? Yeah. Um, his student made a link between, uh, this was about uh, 1741, I think, something like that. And his student made a link between um, solar activity um, and the magnetic field, the magnetosphere, and the aurora. And, uh, yeah, apparently Celsius completely ripped him off, took the credit for his work. Um, and it's yeah, only yeah. subsequently... Yeah. Um, that it's come that, out. Yeah, yeah. yeah. What? Well, I didn't know that. Um, I mean, that kind of thing happens all the time in academia. Oh, I can imagine. But it's awful. Especially it? in posterity. Thing. There was a rumour that yeah. went around our uni that one of the... Uh, <laughs> I don't know how much of this I can say, but if I'm not specific, one of our lecturers, because I did a music degree, one of our lecturers apparently was commissioned to write a piece for a quite a famous uh, British music festival that's on uh, classical music um, on the telly, um, and you get the last night where everyone waves flags. 
have I made that too the obvious? Last night of the uh, no, shush, shush, <laughs> shush is a secret. But apparently, yeah, apparently, the last you basically night redacted. Yes. <laughs> the last night of the. Um, <laughs> and apparently, yeah, apparently, you nicked a student composition and just tied it up a bit. Um, and apparently, that's why he wasn't a famous composer anymore. And that he had, <laughs> because he, had, he was no good in the first place. <laughs> well, apparently, he did show some promise, and then, yeah, I think he ripped off someone's work. I, I, I may have to cut him out. <laughs> I don't know if it's. Uh, is it liable if you don't actually mention who it is? No, that's true. That's true. Let's keep it in. It's fine. No one's going to listen um, to this anyway. Who cares? I, one of my one of the podcast uh, I'm a Crystal Palace fan, and one of the podcasts I listen to is a, a done by a Palace fanzine, mm-hmm. and um, one of them, one of the four guys, is a lawyer, and so every time they like they start on like a, a contentious issue, like he'll just like pop in and say, "You can't say that." <laughs> <laughs> like somebody will start to say something, he'll be like, "No, nope, don't say it." <laughs> I've been listening to uh, Richard Herring's Leicester Square Theatre podcast, or Rahelister oh. Paris, all the cool kids call it. Um, and yeah, he he's done a couple of things where he's had guests who have, have told stories that they probably shouldn't, and they're like, "Ah, screw it, no one, no one listens anyway, we'll be fine." <laughs> okay, wait, wait. Um, right, I did have one more fact that popped into my head. I'd forgotten it, and then I remembered it, and then you forgot it again. Yeah, I think so. That's a shame. Shots. Ah. One last thing, then. Should we point out where you can go see these? Because uh, you've oh. you've um, <laughs> said... No, 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 go on. Well, you mentioned Norway. So, um, yeah, North Scandinavia um, mm-hmm. is is a good spot. Any Anything north. So Canada, um, like Alaska, Greenland. Yeah. Um, I'm trying to think of the other places. Like you say, it does sometimes like, come yeah. south. North Russia would be... North Russia, yeah, that's it. Um, but because of the uh, light pollution... Um. Uh, yeah, that's that's why we can't really see it. Um, in most places. Um, and uh, one thing I remembered, I I mentioned Alistair Hamill at the beginning of the podcast. Um, he uh, has written a book recently um, about nighttime photography, mm-hmm. and he and in it he talks about um, he gives tips on how to. Um, do really good photographs of the aurora borealis and uh-huh. uh, a couple of the tips were number one use a tripod you thought pretty obvious but you know he's covering all his bases um but apparently the things to do shoot in raw format wide aperture <laughs> as wide as it will go and yeah. use um 15 second exposure and if you really need to go up to 30 but no more and good tips if your photo, if your photos are no good, that's probably because you're using an iPhone. So, ah, that's a shame. I love Apple. Don't don't speak ill of Apple. They're great. Whatever. <laughs> yeah. Okay. Well, I think that's probably us done then, isn't it? Sounds good to me. I think. How the points look? I think I owe you a point as well. I'll give you an extra one, what just because I don't feel like I've been very well. I, I don't feel like I've been giving them what I should have done yeah, today. What? Man, and it's good that you did because damn it! <laughs> <laughs> oh no! Because <laughs> <laughs> uh, the final scores are uh, eleven apiece. Oh, 
Oh, that's all right. Oh man, I would have I would have not been able to live with myself. I'd have pushed one, you yeah. into the leaves. No, that's fine. That's fine. I'm happy with that. Caveman <laughs> clutched and seized a draw from the jaws of defeat. Right. <laughs> from the draws of defeat. <laughs> um, so yeah, uh, another draw. We draw quite a lot these days. Yeah, I know. It's because we're, we're just, just too so clever. And that, yeah, both of both of the above. Um, okay, so thank you very much for joining us, people. Uh, you can follow us on Blag the Universe. <laughs> Sorry, what was that? <laughs> you heard it's blagtheuniverse.wordpress.com. Um, and yeah, exciting news that we're not announcing yet, but that may not be the website you go to for much longer. <laughs> uh, so that's quite exciting um, yeah get in touch we're on Facebook Twitter we will be starting this all back up um, are we going to pledge now to do an episode next week at some point yes perfect we're on for another one I'll so. get Josh to join us this time as well we were supposed to have Lovely. a special guest but um, yeah it was, it was a bit sort of no, last minute wasn't it but we look forward to Josh uh, joining us I don't know what topic we're doing as organised as me <laughs> no but that's it but we are going to get good again I was going through the um, the old episodes uh, like the timings of them and, and we were getting we got pretty good at one point so we're going to have to get back to that it's a new year new start we'll get back on it if you would like to be a guest or suggest topics we are always welcome for community involvement um, we are still very slowly putting together our remix album um, so yeah feel free to get in touch with stuff for that um, and if you want details for anything yeah just just let us know and we can dredge it back up from the depths of 2014 which already feels like it was it's a like long last time year. ago yes yeah, no, it's mad because <laughs> we are coming up to our uh, anniversary aren't we I, I believe yeah I think March time so we'll have to well, maybe we'll do like a live party episode or something like that so if you've got any ideas just like a uh... Live six month one and live Christmas one. And... Look, don't start, don't start. All right, <laughs> it's difficult. It's hard work putting all this together. It, really it doesn't organise itself. I've got a thesis um, to write. Sorry, I've got a thesis to write. Yeah, well, exactly. Exactly. I've got no excuse. I've only got a full time job. That's there's no excuse. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah. Well, although I, I might be giving her back after tonight. He's been pestering me uh, what, all evening. What, Eloise? Yes. Oh, the cat. Yeah. The cat. No, no, no. All no. <laughs> oh, right. <laughs> but, um, yeah, thank you for joining me, Sam. It's been a pleasure <laughs> to you. speak to you again. We, we don't chat outside these uh, episodes, so it's just been it's just been nice to, to see your face for a bit. Paul always hangs up at the end of this call anyway, so... <laughs> and then he doesn't hear from me until... <laughs> it's all uh, sternly written letters, isn't it? <laughs> In the interim period. <laughs> New topic, stop. <laughs> Aurora Borealis, stop. Stop. <laughs> but take care of yourselves, everyone. Have a lovely week. And uh, Sam, I'll um, like you later. I'll like you and the one listener. <laughs>
You don't have to do any editing to make me sound really thick, let's be honest. <laughs>